How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard. This is a show about wrestling. And Leonard, it's been a busy week. There's been a lot going on, not just in the world of wrestling, but just uh, entertainment in general. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Taylor Hawkins, drummer from the Foo Fighters, passing away at 50, which is sad. Uh, the Oscars are in the bag. Coda won Best Picture. And I don't. I think that's the only thing that happened there, right, Leonard? Uh, I don't. You know, I don't think anything else of note happened at the Oscars, unless you count, of well, course. The well, you know, I did not watch the Oscars, so and and I live under a rock, so I've got no idea what else might have happened. Yeah, other than Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Um, oh, that I heard about. That I heard about. Water cooler talk. And you know, and, and to tie it back to wrestling, when I first saw the clip i was like that's a work see people in wrestling are saying it's a work i i don't i don't think that it's a work uh, i don't think it is i don't think it is now i don't think it is now i thought that initially yeah but i don't think that now yeah um and certainly wrestling groups on facebook and whatnot are trying to connect it to wrestling as much as possible by putting up you know wrestlemania 38 posters with will smith and chris rock yeah i've seen that fun as that would be to see it's not going to happen but the big news in wrestling of course is that triple h officially retired uh after he gave an interview with Stephen a smith uh on espn uh which i had we had heard that through the grapevine that he was never going to be able to wrestle again due to the uh heart issues that he had but uh this kind of made it official and obviously you want people to go out and with a somewhat of a big send-off or one last match. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to be able to happen for him. Um, obviously, he had a great career and, you know, accomplished a great deal. But uh, it is sad that he had to announce his retirement in this way. Uh, but what did you think when you heard that news? Um, it was kind of like, oh, I thought he already had. As you said, I think it was kind of – in, in the air, and it was just him saying the actual word, I retire, I think was what it was. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does something in the future. Yeah. After, I mean, Edge, Daniel Bryan, they were all, if you ever set foot in a wrestling ring again, you're going to die. That's what it is. And yeah, and, and it, that obviously has happened. But with those guys, it was neck issues. Yes. And this is heart issues. So literally Triple H is like Randy the Ram going if he were yeah. to get into the ring again. Jerry Lawler had a heart attack and wrestled. Wrestled. <laughs> and that's what Triple H is going to do. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> he he will he will definitely have one more match at some point, probably at a WrestleMania, that will be a Vincent Mann versus Bret Hart type of deal. That's, That's what I'm nothing. thinking when you said, when you did the air quotes, and I was like, oh gosh, does anybody want to see that abomination? No, nobody wants to see it, but he's going to do it because right. he's not going to. So I know I'm putting you on the spot here. What was his last wrestled match then? Uh, was it the tag match in um, Saudi Arabia with Shawn Michaels? It would have to be one of those Saudi shows. I, I yeah. would think because his the feud before that, what not including Saudi shows, like he had a feud with Lesnar, but mm-hmm. um, as far as his last stuff, it would probably have been the, uh, the stuff he did with Shawn Michaels, uh, 
and Kane and Undertaker, I would think. Yeah. Which, hey, you know, there are worse people to have a last match with. <laughs> right, right. If that is his technical last match, I mean, I, I did not see the match. I've never watched any of those Saldi shows. But, but, but at least he went out, like, against with, you know, a, a great friend who's been long connected to him and against two guys that he's had a history with. So, you know, right. I think that if that is his last one, that's fine. But I don't think you never say never in wrestling when Terry Funk is 111 years old and has retired 57 times and come back. <laughs> everything is possible. Yeah, well, that's true. Terry Funk is a different breed, but I agree with uh, what you're saying. It's certainly possible. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. But our main topic this week is in the spirit of WrestleMania. And that is going to be our favorite, or what we consider the best, maybe they're of the same thing, our favorite mm -hmm. opening WrestleMania matches. Leonard and I are going to go over our top five choices. And we did not include any dark matches or pre-show matches. I know that people were probably hoping for the Tito Papashango match at WrestleMania 9 on our list, mm -hmm. but it did not make it. But uh, we are going to include just the main card opening matches. Um, but before we get there, Leonard and I compiled some t statistics about okay. opening matches that you might find interesting. So mm -hmm. out of the 37 WrestleManias that have happened, 22 out of 37 of those opening matches were for a title of some sort. The number of matches that were over 20 minutes, the opening matches were five out of 37 that lasted over 20 minutes. And the number that were under five minutes, six out of 37. There are seven out of 37 that were gimmick matches. And do you have any guesses? I'm putting you on the spot now. Who do you think has had the most opening match appearances in the company? Opening opening matches at WrestleMania. Yep. I'm trying to think from the different because again, I looked at a lot of, of, of lists and shows heading into this to figure it out. I'm gonna guess Rey Mysterio. Not a bad guess. Wrong, but yeah. it is the big show. If I no. counted correctly. The Big Show is at number one with four. Now, that would probably should be in pencil because the Big Show is no longer with the company. And the people that have some of the people that there's like a ton of people that have three. And mm -hmm. like some of the people that are still with the company, Sheamus, The Miz, Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, all could conceivably tie that number this year or beat it sure. in subsequent years. So, yeah, generally you see some of those same names. But, yeah, the Big Show has four appearances in the opening match. So those are just some opening match trivia pieces for you, Leonard. And Now, uh, when you were doing up your stats, did you consider the fact that the past two years we have had two opening nights and therefore yeah. two opening matches? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Because I, I would consider both nights as having opening matches. That's, yes. the, way, that's the way I did it anyway. Mm -hmm. um and so without further ado leonard why don't you go over your honorable mention pick yeah so as i told chad off the air um uh when i was making up my list i accidentally wound up writing six instead of five so thanks gives me an honorable mention and it is john cena versus big show 
who we just talked about, at WrestleMania 20 for the U.S. title. And this is more, I think, for historical purposes than maybe the match itself. It's a shorter match. It's under 10 minutes. Uh, but this is John Cena's very first WrestleMania match. It is the start of the big match John Legend. He's full-on Dr. Thugonomics rapper gimmick here. Uh, he does a rap on the big show before the match. The crowd is totally 100% into it. Um, big, this is so early on, the big show still has hair. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I did the math. He's actually a six-year veteran at this point. Um, and I don't think he had a reputation as a star maker, but he definitely does his best to get Cena over here. He looks really strong and dom dominant, but where Cena gets his shine moments puts him over just that much more because how, you know, brutal and hard hitting show, you know, was. So Cena kicks out a bunch of big moves. And I think the shot that most people remember here is Cena getting the FU on show. That's absolutely amazing. You still sometimes see that in clip packages about Cena's career. What sours me a little bit here is that um, the finish is that he wraps the chain around his hand after show kicks out of the first FU. And the referee get, tries to get away from him. Cena tosses it and with the distraction hits the show with the brass knuckles and wins with a second FU. Yep. So yep. Cena is supposed to be the face. And Cena as a face back during this period was very heelish. And so I don't necessarily like him. I don't think he needed the brass knuckle shot to win. I, I'm okay with a second FU winning it. So that's the only thing that really sours me on this. But I, I, it becomes, of all of my matches, this was the honorable mention because I think the historical value is maybe a little bit better than the match itself, even though I think that for a shorter match, this is a pretty hard-hitting bout. Yeah, so I agree with you because this is my number four pick. Okay. So I will, I will say that I really like this match. This was the shortest match that I picked. And, you know, for a short match and for this being a WrestleMania 20 opener, which, you know, going back in time, not thinking about everything that's happened since then, WrestleMania 20 was a really, really big deal for many reasons. John Cena with the Dr. Thugonomics gimmick was really red hot. And, you know, I, I loved the finish. This was in the Eddie Lie, Cheat, Steel era as well. So you had these kind of anti-heroes going in there, cheating to win, and the crowd liked it. Um, so I, I thought that this was a really good match between, you know, with Big Show in it, being that Big Show can only do so much. He was very, very large here. And, you know, not nearly as mobile as he would be in other years. And I still think that they got a great match out of the two of them, despite the fact that it was under 10 minutes. It clocks in at about 9 minutes, 13 seconds. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you have Cena as the heavy underdog, but he gets his stuff in. Both guys looked good and brought what they could in the time allotted. Uh, so yeah, I just, I remember like the crowd was really, really into this and it got them off on a good note. And that's what I think an opening match should do. It needs to get the, you need to start the crowd off in a, in a hot way, get them excited for the event, you know, get them hooked into what's going on. And it doesn't have to be like a five-star classic. It just has to get the crowd motivated. And I thought that that this match accomplished that. So I have, a couple honorable mentions here, Leonard. And okay. 
I looped two into one. So I'm going to double my first honorable mention with the uh, Money in the Bank ladder matches, two of them that opened. Uh, there was one that opened WrestleMania 23, where Mr. Kennedy defeated uh, CM Punk, Edge, Finley, Jeff Hardy, Booker T, Matt Hardy, Randy Orton. And then at WrestleMania 25, where CM Punk defeated Christian, Finley, Kane, Kofi, Mark Henry, MVP, and Sheldon Benjamin. These matches are car crashes. They're mm -hmm. spot fests. Whatever you want to tell you, tell, you know, they, they, neither of these Money in the Bank matches are the best of the Money in the Bank matches, period. But these matches are fun for what they are, and they do exactly what I just said about an opening match. They get the crowd excited. Like, you see a lot of people flying around, landing on ladders, getting hit with really huge moves, you know, high places, all that stuff. It doesn't have to be, you know, super smooth. A lot of these matches are downright sloppy when they when they want to be, but they're fun to watch, and that's why I put them here. Uh, any comments on any of the ladder matches? I do not like the multi-man car crash ladder matches. So I did not put any of those on my list. Um, I know that seemed to have been the trend there for a while that this was the opener would be a ladder match of money right. to make something of that nature. So I will say I like 25 better than 23, but um, you know, overall those aren't matches that, that I, I took a hard, a hard look at for this. I'm um, see this is why I'm anxious to see what your list is. Cause I'm one, I'm wondering like, how we differ in our list because there's obviously 37 choices so yes um my other honorable mention is from wrestlemania 36 charlotte flair versus rhea ripley for the mm -hmm. nxt women's title clocks in at 20 minutes and 30 seconds the talent had a really tough uphill battle here with covid hitting and the fact that they were wrestling in front of no one it was awkward for fans and it was awkward for the talent and at the time, I feel like a lot of people, certainly myself, was looking at the event kind of through foggy glasses in that, you know, we're just kind of shocked about the fact that there's nobody there. And we're not maybe not really analyzing the matches for what they were. And this match was really, really good. These two work really well together. And I thought that this was tremendous. The fact that you can hear the trash talking is you know eh. <laughs> but it's uh the what they do in the ring was really really good and i think that matches like this are going to be looked at maybe a second or third time as time goes on because some of these matches do deserve a second look despite it being covid um mm -hmm. did you see this i thought this was the best at the time i thought this was the best match of the weekend not including the cinematics so I, I enjoyed both uh, these women, and I thought they—I do think they work well together. I thought they work well together here. I actually think they were were two that used the empty arena situation a little bit better. Now you said you were ant on the smack talk, but I kind of like the idea of being able to hear what they were saying, and and because I think that took that was them taking into account, right? That hey, we can be heard, right? And, and 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 working with that but some people but, were better uh, yes. at it than others <laughs> yes and i thought they 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 were good at it i do remember this match. i would have to review the whole show and i think as you said i think in in coming years people will go back and maybe rewatch some of these covid shows and 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 
with a fresh eye. Uh, but at the time, I, I remember not only liking it, but thinking it was the best actual match of the uh, of the weekend. All right. Well, those are my honorable mentions. So we will get off to our top five. Leonard, what is your number five pick? Number five is Chris Jericho versus William Regal at WrestleMania X7, uh, which I believe was for the IC title. I didn't make a note of that here. And you talk about times of matches. This is actually a shorter match. It's only 740 but it felt longer in a good way. I thought it felt at least 12 to 15 minutes. Uh, by the way, they just paced it and they laid it out. Um, Regal was commissioner at the time, was kind of feuding with Jericho. Jericho didn't like how he was doing things. So Regal kind of activated himself to, to wrestle Chris here. Uh, this is an absolute clinic by Regal. Uh, Jericho had injured shoulder coming into this. It's taped and Regal works it every way possible he he cheap shots it he gets jericho to post himself he does submission moves he does power moves like shoulder breakers and stuff and just just focuses on this shoulder and does a, a magnificent job of showing how you take a body part and and you pick it uh, apart um jericho wins with a lion salt which i felt was a little bit out of nowhere felt a little anticlimactic and maybe that was a time restraint like it felt like maybe they had planned for 10 minutes and got a few few minutes cut away from them. Uh, I, I don't know, but um, I like these two guys. I think their chemistry is great. And uh, as a shorter match, and considering that WrestleMania X7 is considered by many to be one of the best WrestleManias, well, it should have one of the best openers. Yeah, I like this match as well. It's not on my list, uh, but I certainly looked close at it when I was going through all of them. Uh, these two did have good chemistry, and uh, even though their styles are different. And was this the feud where uh, Jericho peed in his uh, cup, in Regal's cup? Uh, I, I I would have to go back and check that. I don't I don't remember that specifically. I kind of fast forwarded through half of the um, the setup package. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I so, think that so, was this. Um, and I, I it probably there, would be. Was there brass knuckles involved here as well? Uh, not in the finish, if, if memory serves. Might have, that might have been a different match. But yeah. in any event, a lot of people know Regal as the uh, face of NXT management and all that. But uh, I feel like his work in the ring is very underrated. He has a very unique style. But when he brought that style every time. Uh, and yeah, this was a good, solid match. And this was still, in my opinion, this was the era where they were trying maybe to shift towards making the opening matches more of a highlight. Like mm -hmm. this one didn't get a lot of time as you know, they could have, these guys, let's face it. These guys could have gone like 15 minutes or more and did the same great work. But I think after this 18, 19 and certainly into the early twenties is when you would see the company shift their focus a little bit to saying, Hey, we need to get the opening match off with like a bigger bang than what we have been. So, yeah, I mean, looking, I looked at some lists of the best openers just to point me in the right direction, refresh my memory, some things. And uh, except with one, you know, major exception, most of those matches were from WrestleMania 20 on. I did see this match on a few, which remind me of it. Um, uh, Tito Santana versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 8, which we talked about in our Tito Santana uh, retrospective. Uh, that was on a couple of lists I saw, but most everything was from 20 on. Yeah. And 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 I believe 
uh, and we've talked about when we've done our read books, the importance of the opening match. And I think that's more of a modern philosophy. And I believe that started with when WCW used the cruiserweights uh, to open shows and how that would wake up the crowd and start right. a fast pace and set a tone and all that. So I think that's where, where that comes from. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of 20 and on, my number five pick is from WrestleMania 33, and it is AJ Styles versus Shane McMahon. Uh, the match is 20 minutes and 35 seconds. Now, you know, you look at some of the matches that Shane does and they're, you know, a lot of them are kind of just used for that one big spot that Shane does. But Shane can have a decent match in the ring when he wants to. And AJ Styles can give anybody a good match mm -hmm. or get a good match out of anybody, maybe a better way to say it. And uh, this was when Shane was commissioner, I believe, of SmackDown. And so AJ didn't have a match at WrestleMania. So this is where that feud started. And even though Shane has some spots here, this wasn't a hardcore match. This wasn't no holds barred or falls count anywhere or hell in the cell. This was just a straight up match. And I thought that these guys worked well together. Uh, Shane kind of blew up pretty early on, but he keeps it going like cardio wise. They, like He kept it going and they kept doing really great things together. And I forgot how much fun this one was. Uh, you know, I rewatched all these matches and it, this one was a lot more fun than I had remembered it being. Uh, maybe because at the time I expected Shane to do something crazy, like jump off the top of the stadium or something like that. <laughs> but uh, this was this was good. And it obviously it was a one off. The right man won. AJ came out on top. But uh, yeah, I mean, for 20 minutes, I thought this was entertaining. Yeah, uh, you know, I didn't rewatch every single opener. I did see this match on a few lists. I chose not to revisit it, so I don't have it on my list. And I don't remember it uh, uh, too well, although I, I will say that I kind of agree with you that I think Shane does like to rely on big spots because he's not a natural talent, per se, or naturally trained wrestler, per se. But I think he does have the ability to put a match together. And you give him someone like AJ Styles, he can do that. And um, from my memory, I, I believe everything you're saying, you know, is, is is correct, that they worked well together and put together something that was maybe different than Shane's other uh, WrestleMania moments. Right. Well, Leonard, what is your number four? So my number four is Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero at WrestleMania 21. Um, I didn't write down all the times like you did. I believe this is a bit over 13 minutes. Exactly uh, 13 minutes. Oh, it's exactly 13 minutes. Well, okay. according to Wikipedia, and Wikipedia is never wrong. So, right. 13 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the, these guys know each other extremely well. They had some great matches before this point and after this point. So, sending them out to open the show, I think, is a no brainer. As we were talking about them, them starting to get into the idea of we need to open the show with a bang. Um, they are the tag champs here. And the, the fighting, I think, is a bit contrived because of that. Uh, I wonder if it came about because they didn't really have a team they wanted to put against them here. Uh, but they managed to build something heading into this. They wound up having singles matches. They wound up kind of getting in each other's faces a little bit. Um, this is a style that they were wrestling that was ahead of its time. Still still feels like they, they could, you know, if, if – Eddie was still with us. They could go out, do the same match today, and people would still, you know, enjoy it, would like it. It's fast-paced. Everything has a snap to it. It's a good back and forth. They establish how they know each other so well very early on. 
Um, there's a modified surfboard that Eddie does, which is really cool. There's a corkscrew plancha by Ray to the floor. That's cool. Uh, the finish was a bit out of nowhere. It's at Ray winning with a Rana, but as compared to the previous match, which I mentioned, I think that plays off of the story that they had built. The idea that Eddie maybe didn't give his little brother with air quotes uh, or a little cousin, however he may want to look at it. Um, a lot, a lot of credence that he does come off as kind of cocky in this. And I think he does, even when Ray has his moments, Eddie feels in control. So the fact that maybe he lets his guard down a, a slack moment and that's where Ray capitalizes. I think that that's a good payoff for the story. So again, tons of Ray and Eddie matches out there. And I think because of that, maybe this one gets lost a little. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. This was my number three pick. So, okay. um, and like for all the reasons that you said, this is not the best match that these two have ever had. And you know what? In truth, it might not have been the best match they had that year because they did work together all the time. Yeah. But these guys had a great match every time they got in the ring together. And, you know, I miss the days where DVD box sets were released. And I remember one of the one of the, my favorites is the greatest rivalries, Brett versus Sean. And I wish they had done more greatest rivalry box sets because if ever there was a rivalry that warranted a box set, it's this one. Um, sadly, Eddie is not around to do like a sit down interview with Ray there, but uh, these guys have had so many matches and all of them were good. And this one for being 13 minutes, they really worked hard. They got the crowd into it, which is what you need to do. One-on-one -on -one match, uh, you know, you have tag team partners going up against each other. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love watching these guys anytime. And uh, so this was fun to revisit. Mm -hmm. So my number four, as we already talked about, was John Cena Big Show yes. WrestleMania 20. So okay. we'll move it back to Leonard for his number three. Number three. I'm going to say right now, I'm going to guess that our number threes will be different. But I, I think our one and twos might be the same, but we'll see. So anyway, my number three is Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 35. Um, this is, the match itself is only two minutes and 40 seconds, but there's so much going on prior to the bell here. Uh, it's a short but brutal match with a lot of intensity and big power moves. Uh, Lesnar jumps uh, Seth before the match even starts. It's a slow, methodical beatdown with every strike just having such a loud thump or a clang to it. It's kind of a, of a smart way to do more of a, of a hardcore or an attitude error type match. Um, without having all the with having all this outside stuff before the bell, uh, then it gets Rollins over by him still wanting to compete. You know, the referee asks him. It's that's such an important thing. I've seen them do not when I say them, not necessarily WWE, but wrestling shows where they've done the pre-show beatdown and then they just start the match. No, no, the ref has to ask the babyface, "Do you want to compete?" And he has to say yes which we get here with, with Rollins. Um, the, the, the throw through the announce table, um, hook, the, the, I think I forget. But anyway, it's propped up the, the hood, hood. We'll call it the hood of the announce table is propped up on the apron and, and Seth is, is thrown through it. You get the series of released German suplexes from wrestle from Lesnar. 
Then Rollins comes back with a low blow, and that's a needed equalizer here. I think even with him acting as the baby face, he gets three curb stomps. I remember that was such a big deal at the time that he got three curb stomps and Lesnar lost after three curb stomps. Again, that's a moment you see in Seth Rollins packages still to this day. Um, I think this was a different approach. It was very risky to, I think, have a match like this open WrestleMania being the way it was constructed and everything before the belt and everything outside the ring, but it works. I think it's extremely memorable. It was a match that um, I don't know if I, I saw at the time or just forgot about, but I said, oh, that sounds good. I'll check that out. And actually seeing how short it was made me say, oh, is that a typo? Is it really like 1240? And then when I watched it, um, I was just really in, impressed by uh, the the risks they took and I think the risks paid off. Yeah, no, I like this match as well. I, I'm I'm a big Brock Lesnar fan and a big Seth Rollins fan for that matter. And I think that it was gutsy of WWE, but smart in whoever's part to decide that you know when Lesnar came back, we're going to make his matches shorter and more explosive, and we're not going to overdo it. We're not going to make this guy go in there with Goldberg and try to wrestle a 20 minute match. That doesn't make any sense. Let's play to his strengths now and work with that. And that's what they've done with him. And I think it's paid off each time. Um, you know, obviously Lester can go long if he really wants to, but these matches are more exciting. And I, yeah, I liked this style. He and Seth Rollins have, I want to say underrated chemistry. Everybody talks about different, rivals that Lesnar has had but uh you generally you maybe don't hear about his feud with Seth Rollins as much but uh it certainly deserves another look despite the length as you said so my number three as I mentioned was Ray and Eddie from Wrestlemania 21. I'm on my number two and and again I think our one and two will be the same but they might be flipped but they might be flipped so my number two is Daniel Bryan versus Triple H at Wrestlemania 30. Um, if Brian won, then he would advance to the title match and turn that into a triple threat at the end of the night. This had a great storyline to it coming into it and might be really the last notable time that management, i.e. Vince McMahon, really listened to the fans. The crowd is red hot for Daniel Bryan here. He is as over here as, as Rock, Austin, Hogan, you know, during their peak WrestleMania moments. Uh, he gets a Brian gets a fast start and it really puts Hunter on his heels and makes him take Brian seriously. There's a, a moment where you can see Triple H has a look on his face like, oh shit, I gotta work. Like, I thought this was gonna be easy. Uh, it's a nice build throughout, uh, uh of Triple H being, uh, you know, just, just kind of he slowly more and more realizes he's kind of screwed as the match goes on. Um, I don't like Stephanie's outfit here. I don't think it works for her. It's a too short skirt with like a ribbon tie. Uh, um, uh, but she's a nice presence at ringside. I was surprised because she doesn't overwhelm. Like she's there and you know she's there and you can hear her yelling at times. And, and But she doesn't uh, insert herself too much. I, I, I actually really enjoyed her valet work in in this or managerial work in this um i love the spot where brian blocks the pedigree on the table and then has his arm driven in, into it um uh and and then later there there's a spot where he takes 
uh, sort of like a back suplex on the apron that targets the arm. Uh, Triple H overall, I think, did a great job working the injured arm. Uh, I also loved him seeing he bust out the crossface chicken wing. So again, like the, the Regal Jericho match, you have a body part being picked and worked on. Like we don't see that anymore. Um, I like the strategy of going for the count out, which he does at one point. Uh, it, and that helps to put over how determined Brian is because he forces himself back in. Um, letting Brian kick out of the pedigree uh, was, 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 this is still a time where kicking out of the finisher works. Everyone kicks out of everybody's finisher now. But at that time, him kicking out of the finisher kind of really helped to put over him and the storyline. So this was a match that, uh, again, revisiting it, I was kind of uh, maybe a little bit surprised about how good this actually is. And again, I didn't write down the time. I do believe it's over 20 minutes. It, yeah, it's 25.58 to be exact. Okay. And uh, yeah, this is my number two as well. And uh, yeah, this was this was a great storyline, as you said. The, you know, you had the fans at this point, they were pissed because the guy that they wanted to see in the main event, the guy that they felt had earned spot was not being put there because if everybody recalls, this was the Blue Tista era and you know they wanted to go with you know batista kind of having this major comeback and that's not what people wanted to see and as a result you have the fans kind of overwhelmingly pushing for daniel bryan to be put in a better spot and they finally were able to give it to us here and this match itself was just it was just very good storytelling and that's the kind of matches that i like to watch are matches that tell a good story in the ring. Uh, you Like you were saying with the arm and, you know, Triple H kind of underestimating him and all that. Um, you know, Daniel Bryan always kind of being the uh, little engine that could, so to speak. Uh, you know, the, the smaller guy who can always kind of, you know, overcome the odds, which is different than what he's portraying now, which is kind of the perfect veteran type wrestler now that is just better than everybody um so yeah he was doing great work in this era and he deserved this spot triple h made him look great and he made triple h look great as far as that goes uh yeah i don't know how many matches these guys had other than this this might have been the only one i'd have to look yeah but this this was really well done and uh really got the crowd off to a hot start because they they wanted Daniel Bryan to be the, the main guy in every conceivable way. So that's what they did here. So I'm going to guess, Leonard, that mm -hmm. our number one is the same, which is Brett versus Owen from WrestleMania 10. Am I right? That That's correct. I was trying to think of a really bad opener to, to, to lie about. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, this match is 20 minutes and 21 seconds. And I would say that this is the only match that opened WrestleMania that is five stars. Um, you know, and this, I mean, this match really is, you know, just wonderful in every conceivable way. Um, and, you know, I almost initially, Leonard, didn't want to go with this as my number one because I was like thinking about what I like in an opener. And that is that it gets the crowd going and gets the crowd really excited. But I was like, well, 
you know, this match was so good, what was able to follow it? And then I thought to myself, well, the ladder match was eventually coming down the pike. So there were other things that followed this successfully. Here's a controversial take. WrestleMania 10 is not a good WrestleMania outside of Brett versus Owen and Michaels versus Ramon. You go take a look at the rest of that show. And it, it it's rebook worthy for us. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. It's it's overall it is not a good you know WrestleMania. You have had Brett get the big moment at the end. Everybody kind of comes out, but uh, but yeah, this this match there was a great story going into it. Two brothers, one of them is tired of living in the other shadow, and they go out there and they show you exactly why they are great at what they do. And this match is so fun to watch. Their steel cage match at SummerSlam was also really, really good for different reasons. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of a better opener for any WrestleMania. Like, I don't know if this one's ever going to be topped because of just the emotion involved, the story involved, and the fact that these two guys are so technically sound and obviously know each other frontwards and backwards that yeah. uh, they were able to just put on this showcase so yeah yeah you know i love how owen celebrates every little victory at the start stop at the start like getting out of the opening lockup and then a leg lock and he celebrates it uh there's a slap by owen early on that that brett lets go and then they trade slaps later so they bring that back the chain wrestling was so good with a nice mix of technical wrestling and some edgier fighting as the match built um, because of how high the tensions were running. Love the leg work by Owen leading to a sharpshooter. It never feels slow. Um, it never bogs down, even as you said, at 25 minutes. Um, Owen gets a win, which at the time uh, was very much a surprise. No one would have guessed that. Sure. And the fact that he gets the win here and Brett wins later, that helps us set up the SummerSlam match, which I really like as well. Yeah. And it helps to make Owen. You know, Brett, of course, Owen's his brother, but Brett really took Owen Hart from being a curtain jerker, the the blue blazer, to, you know, dressing in neon colors with Coco Beware, to turning him into a legit main event threat here with this match. And I've got a, a trivia question for, for you. You know, we got this match because... Uh, Lex Luger and Bret Hart tied uh, at the Royal Rumble, both in the floor at the same time. So th the thing was, they flipped a coin with the winner getting Yoko first. And right. so, so if Luger had lost the coin flip, who was he going to wrestle? That's a good question. Crush. Oh, wow. Okay. It was going to be Crush. That is a match that I'm glad we didn't see. Yeah. And Crush wrestled uh, Randy Savage in a false count anywhere match, which was very weird. So, yeah, I mean, then what I've heard in recent years uh, through podcasts is that Randy Savage and Crush were really good friends in real life. And Savage was wanted to go out of his way to try and make Crush like a headlining guy, or at least, a, you know, farther up the card guy, which is why we saw that. But yes, it's, odd in retrospect yes uh, anyway that's a side note maybe we can rebook wrestlemania 10 at some point or talk more about wrestlemania 10 at some point but but anyway i yeah i i think i was 
I thought you might go with Daniels Triple H as your number one here. I could see you doing that. Uh, but, you know, like you said, there's really no arguing this. It's it's Most people tell you it's a five-star match, and the only five-star match open WrestleMania. It's not only considered one of the best WrestleMania openers of all time, but one of the best openers of any pay-per-view, any wrestling company ever of all time. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so if there's other choices that you think we should have put, let us know. I did look at every every WrestleMania, and, like, the first, the first like, uh, 15 or so, like, are just, yeah. like, they clearly didn't give too much thought to what opened the show at that point. Right. Match, match of course, yeah, you know, of course, the very first match ever in WrestleMania history we talked about was Tito Santana versus The Executioner, which was right. Buddy Rose. Under, under a mask. Um, because I think early on they were still kind of figuring out what WrestleMania was or what it could be. I think they were still right. trying to build uh, around two or three big matches. Um, and they still do that to a point now, but but I think they got to the point where they figured out that WrestleMania itself was the show. You know, yeah. It's like if that's your Super Bowl, well, you don't want a game that's over in the first quarter, which sometimes happens at the Super Bowl. Uh, because the team gets up so high, you want uh, um, uh, something that's good for four quarters, right? So I think they started getting that into their heads. So, so yes, we needed um, because the matches we talked about, I think, was was a mix of hot talent or talent that was getting hot at the right time, yeah. Or like with the the latter matches, stuff that they knew would just wake people up, stuff that would right. be exciting and different. Um, than that and you know i know we didn't talk about the pre-show matches but there was a point there where with the pre-shows they were stacking those a little bit with two or three matches the under the giant battle royals were usually in the pre-show things like that so they, they started to get you know how the super bowl is like an all-day event right be, we started to get to the point where it was an all-day event and now it's a two-day event and covid kind of forced them into making it a two-day event for, yeah. for the better i would say um but uh yeah, I mean, they clearly, you know, as I mentioned those statistics earlier, they clearly like opening with titles. And another match that I had considered putting as an honorable mention but didn't um, was from last year's WrestleMania, which was Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, uh, which was for the WWE heavyweight title. And uh, mm -hmm. I believe night one uh, of that event. But uh, they those guys put on a good match as well. And I just think that putting a, a heavyweight title on as your opener, like obviously you start, you want to start with a big match, but it's like kind of like saying this is the lesser title now, <laughs> which, you know, I don't know is the message that you want to send necessarily. Uh, but yeah, those guys deserve uh, credit for, for putting on a good match. And uh, it, it won't be the case this year because it's title for title in night two. Um, but uh, I would wager that you'll probably see, one of the women's matches lead off uh, at least one of the nights. I would that say. would make sense. Yes. So, um, but uh, yeah, any other thoughts on WrestleMania openers, Leonard? Um, no, you know, I think we, we, we covered that good bit. I'm sure other people will mention other matches in the comments. Um, again, you know, I didn't review every single match. There were some I saw as said, Oh, you know, that's interesting. I'll check that out. I didn't, but of course, you know, as I always like to say, you know, it's it's our opinions. Your mileage may vary, and that's fine. Some people um, might really want to put on the, you know, JBL versus Finley, the Belfast brawl. Yeah, or um, 
was 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 uh shameless beating daniel bryan in like 13 seconds was that was that was the opener that, that was year? one of them yeah yep absolutely yep. yeah so before we go off the air i want to do some plugs um i guested recently on the tripped up trivia podcast uh hosted by jesse starcher part of the Rattaluch, if i'm saying that correctly podcasting network that uh, got posted march 30th part of their wrestlemania week of shows it's a wrestling trivia podcast I won't spoil how I did, but I didn't uh, embarrass uh, the nitty gritty, I don't think. <laughs> and uh, so I want to thank them for having me on and letting them plug, letting me plug the nitty gritty uh, as well. And I believe I'm going to hopefully go back on with them at some other point. Also, I've mentioned before how I do a long term uh, fantasy uh, booking and writing fed uh, called the Universal Wrestling Association. You can find that at madstepdad.proboards.com. And uh, we're always looking for new people. And so check it out and, and join if that's something you're interested in. And then, you know, Chad and I recently went to a world classic big time professional wrestling match uh, and fan fest uh, wrestling show in Chillicothe, Ohio, ran by Bobby Fulton and his sons. And they're doing another fan fest and super show, which unfortunately I won't be able to make. On April 9th in Chillicothe, they have the card up. They have the list of people who are going to be there for the Fan Fest. Um, just to name a few, Rob Van Dam, Gangrel, Sabu, Bill Alfonso, Tupac Scorpio, The Rock and Roll Express, uh, Tony Atlas, Sergeant Slaughter, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, Brian Pillman Jr. And a lot of those guys are going to be uh, wrestling. Coco Beware, another one. Uh, and I believe the main event is going to be Tupac Scorpio. Uh, versus Rob Van Dam with Bill Alfonso as the guest referee and a tag match of the Rock and Roll Express versus Mr. Hughes and Vance Archer. Should be fun. So, so Mr. Hughes is going to be all elite. That's, yeah. I would love that if they brought Mr. Hughes out in all elite wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I think it should be Mr. Hughes versus Wardlow. You know, because that's, that's the natural next matchup for Wardlow, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think I think because of the, I, I think that's what MJF should do is he should bring in and bring in Mr. Hughes. You're right. You're writing the TV for them. Absolutely, that would be great. Yeah. I need to hey. do bodyguard, and here he is. <laughs> hey, if you see Mr. Hughes on EW as MJF's bodyguard, then that means Tony Khan watches us. That's right. That, that's the only logical conclusion. Absolutely, that's the only logical conclusion. Absolutely. Well, uh, definitely check out that podcast. Uh, I look forward to checking it out. And like I said, let us know what you think of our picks in the comments, what we missed and what you agree with. And for Leonard, my name is Chad. We will see you next week and Alexa will see you out.